This episode of Being a Dad on Purpose is brought to you by the Fitness Rebellion. The Fitness Rebellion is a great place to go to get your coaching tips on being healthy, a great place to go to get some great um, fitness gear, and it's a great resource to be the healthiest dad that you can be. TheFitnessRebellion.com is where you'll go. And if you go right now and you sign up for a consultation, a great way to learn more about your fitness goals, uh, you can sign up and in the reference code box, just put B-A-D-O-P for being a dad on purpose. That's B-A-D-O-P as a reference code. and You'll get 10% off any coaching uh, package you receive. So, hey, enjoy that. Sign up now at thefitnessrebellion.com. Now, let's go to our show. Welcome to the Being a Dad on Purpose podcast. I am your host, Bobby Benavides, and today I'm excited because I have the co-author of the book, uh, Operation Thriving Marriage, a field manual for max performance and preventative maintenance, Brian Harvey. Brian, you authored, co-authored the book with your wife, Jennifer, and I am excited to have you on the show today. Hey, thanks so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. <laughs> Good. Um, and so now I want to I want to talk more about this title. I was able to read the book. I was able to look at it, and we, you know, um, and you know, I'm just going to say it. So for for all of you now, this is our second go around because we had an issue with the Zoom. So there you go. But now, so here we are. So he's probably going. You already said this, yes. Okay, but here we go. I was able to read your book, able to look at um, a lot of what you said, and you guys have some great wisdom that you share. And so I'm looking forward to talking about how to make your health your marriage healthy, uh, healthier, how to make good steps, especially in um, the journey of being uh, fathers and how to keep your marriage alive and healthy when children come on the scene. But I want to know more about why you and Jennifer settled on this title, because this is, it's a strong title and it did draw me in when I read it. So, so let's, let's talk about that. Yeah, absolutely. So really, when Jen and I were 98% finished with the books. Like, okay, we've got to come up with a title for this. And in the Christian market, in the book market, women are more likely to pick up a book about marriage than men. That's just a fact. It's just true. Us guys think we've got everything under control. We're less likely to go to something for advice. And so we wanted to make sure that while we were reaching out to the women, also the men, because marriage doesn't work unless both are equally committed to it. And so this Operation Thriving Marriage really pulled out of my, my experience in the military. You know, if you watch the news, you see everything we do, it's an operation something or other. And we wanted to tie in and get men's attention that, hey, a marriage is like an operation for the military. It's something that you plan. It's something that you execute. It's something that you can make better if you plan it well. And then a field manual for maximum performance and preventative maintenance. Anyone who's been in a maintenance career field in the military, that they understand that right away. You've got to work to keep your things your equipment, your aircraft, your vehicles going, you've got to do preventative maintenance. And a field manual, now I'm in the Air Force. So in the Air Force, we don't have field manuals. We have technical orders. Um, but I'm an Army brat. I grew up in the Army. My dad was in the Army for 21 years. And Army and Marines, they have a field manual. But a field manual gives you the details. How do you do this task? How do you specifically do this task so that everyone's doing it the same way and you can look at it and 
anyone can look at this piece of equipment, look at the situation, say, okay, here's where the breakdown was so we can, so we can fix the issue so we can get moving. We don't have time to reinvent the wheel, whether it's changing a tire on a vehicle to breaking down, cleaning, and putting your weapon back together. Everyone needs to be doing it the same way so that it can work effectively. That's what a field manual does. It tells you how to do that. And our goal is to give you the vision for a thriving marriage, why that's important, why God values marriage, and then that manual, the steps, and how you can make your marriage more effective and make your marriage thrive to follow God's design. Awesome. Very good. So um, I guess then when we when we are talking about marriage, because um, there's going to be some dads who listen who are not married or are you know planning on getting married or maybe even stepping into being remarried. Uh, and then dads who have been married for quite some time. My wife and I um, are going on our man. It's 14 years. That's coming up on 14 years in, in a couple of weeks. So um, that's pretty awesome to think about that. But, you know, so so we have this idea of when we start becoming, when we become dads, marriage becomes kind of a, it, it becomes a, a tension, right? Um, for some, because now you're trying to figure out how do you balance a healthy relationship, healthy marriage, healthy, whatever, while you have kids coming on the scene. So how, what would you be your advice to dads who are saying like, okay, I want to keep my marriage alive, but you know, my, our kids are drawing our attention away. We aren't able to be as connected as we were. Um, what, what advice would you give to them right now in that, in that moment? Yeah, absolutely. And I think a big thing when I look back when we first had our kids, so our daughter is 15 now, we've been married 17 years. Uh, and the big thing that I think is important to remember is to be a good dad for those dads who are married. And we did a book about marriage. So for the single dads out there, this is going to be a little different for you. And I'm not throwing shade or anything. You guys have a huge job, but we're talking about um, marriage here, which is a little different. And Jen and I really believe if you're, if we're going to be effective parents, and I believe if I'm going to be an effective dad, I need to keep my priorities in the right place. And that means I need to make my wife the priority. And sometimes that's hard because kids need so much. And frankly, a lot of what the stuff they need and want, it's fun too. I mean, it's more fun to sit down and play Super Smash Brothers with my son than it is to go do the dishes. There are things that are just fun about being a dad. Um, but our priority has to be our marriage relationship because a couple things come out of that. First of all, whether we like it or not, our first image of God is our parents. We first start learning about God from our parents. We see our parents, and that is the image that we have of what God is. So how we interact with each other and what we're doing is showing something of God, and that's got to be a priority for us. But also for our sons and daughters, for our sons, they're going to learn how to be men, how to interact with women by watching us. We can give them all the dad speeches that we want to, but really, when it comes down to it, they're going to know how to treat men, how to treat women with respect and dignity by how we treat our wives. And they're going to see everything we do, and that's going to help them grow up to be men of God by seeing their dads interact with their mom. And then for our daughters, you know, daughters have a special place in every dad's heart. If you've got a daughter, I mean, every one of us has told the jokes about the shotgun at the door or may or may not have that shotgun sitting there right now. Um, <laughs> we are concerned about our daughters because we know what kind of knuckleheads we are. 
And we know all the knuckleheads that we ran into and we ran around with our whole lives. And one of these days, our daughter may fall in love with one of those knuckleheads. She needs to know how that guy should be treating her. She needs to know what's acceptable and what isn't. And the only way she's going to know that is if she sees how she sees us treating her mother. That's how it's going to experience. Or in a dating relationship, if it at divorce or all those things, how you treat that woman that you're in a relating with is going to show your daughter how she should be treated. And so for those of us who are married, that's got to be a priority. We've got to make that first and foremost. That's how our children are going to see God first. It's how our sons are going to learn what it means to be a man and how to treat a woman. And it's how our daughters are going to learn what a man should treat them like and how that what they should be looking for in men so they can have those thriving relationships that we want for them in their adulthood. So good. Yeah, I think that I mean that's a that's a great, great point. I have a daughter, and oh, I have, I have three sons and a daughter. And um, you know, so my sons are are watching a lot and my daughter, especially, and I love when my daughter is like watching my wife and I talk and she's like, you guys just need to kiss each other. You know, I have like, you know, it's just like, they, they love, like, <laughs> it's like they're learning what it looks like to really show love and affection in a healthy way from us. And that's a, I mean, so, so that's a great point. You know, it's like, they're watching, they, they're learning and we need to be the example that they see like, okay, so this is what it means. It's so good. I love that. Yeah. Now, um, one of the things that you say in your book and I was reading and I thought it was such a great point. I wanted to cover it. It wasn't in, so the, in there, you talk about not losing your identity in the marriage um because you know we're all created unique as you you guys share you talk about that a lot and so um but you you, there's a very specific piece that spoke about not losing who we are in the process because and that's and i and i i'm stressing that because i think that's what happens a lot of times and what you cover in the book too you talk about how sometimes you have the the men who you know they they, or the the partner who just kind of says like I'm gonna basically give up myself and I'm gonna be very you know like I'm and it's almost like a, a, an idea of abuse you, you say in there which is very true right um, but I want to talk about not losing ourselves how what what do we need to do then in our marriages as dads who have kids who do have things inside of us that we want to accomplish things that maybe some dreams that we have or you know, but, and sometimes we push them to the wayside because, well, we got to sacrifice or, well, we got to, you know, these are other priorities. How do you maintain your identity and who you are in your marriage to keep yourself sane and healthy? <laughs> sane yeah, and absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. No, I think that's huge. And the first thing I think all of us need to remember is our wives and our children need us to be the men that God created us to be. And so taking a part of that God-given identity, God didn't screw up what he made you. God didn't screw up. I mean, God loves you more than you're ever going to understand. And he didn't screw anything up when he put, when he made you and made who you are and what you've been called to do and be. And you're going to be unsuccessful as a husband and as a father if you aren't the person that God created you to be. Being able to say, yeah, my desires are valuable. My desires are something that God has given me. But then work it out and it takes some deep soul searching. It's like looking at what are the things that are who I am at the core of my being and have that conversation with your wife. What are the things that you need to do? Because it all comes down to, we talk about team marriage in the book. 
and really all comes down to making sure you guys are building the right team and your strengths need to be identified and your weaknesses need to be identified and your spouse's strengths, your wife's strengths need to be identified and her weaknesses. And you guys need to have that conversation and develop a plan for working through that. Um, and need to know what are the things that bring life. So um, in the motorcycle or in the book, I talk about my motorcycle. When my daughter was born, um, I sold my motorcycle because I had a choice. I could either ride the motorcycle or play with my daughter, but I couldn't do both. You know, mm. the infant was not going to fit on the motorcycle. I didn't have a sidecar. Putting the little baby bucket on the tank was a bad idea. Discourage that. Um, but that's something that really is life-giving to me, to be able to get out on the motorcycle and feel the wind and be alone with my thoughts. And my wife and I talked and when I sold the bike, because she was against me selling the bike. Um, because she didn't want to be that wife that the stereotypical wife that caused you to say, no, you've got to sell that bike now that you're a dad. Um, she didn't want to be that. And we talked. And when I was, when my daughter was old enough where she could ride with me, we said, Hey, if we're in a financial position where we can do that, I'd like to get another motorcycle. Well, I've been able to get another motorcycle. And my wife never begrudges the time to say, Hey, sweetheart, I need to go for a ride. I need some time to clear my head. I need to do that. So when it comes down to being you when you're a couple, marriage is about becoming one, but it's becoming one like God is one, three in one, where Jesus doesn't lose any of who he is as the son. God the Father doesn't lose any of who he is as God the Father, and the Holy Spirit doesn't lose any of who he is as the Holy Spirit, yet they're all one. We need to express that to our spouses. When something's going on, it's like, hey, this is actually taking something away from who I am at the core of my being. need to address that. But also be aware of, hey, these are the things, not just, oh, I'm going to give it up because, well, I'm a dad. That's what I'm supposed to do. I'm going to give it up because I'm a husband. That's what I'm supposed to do. Um, because ultimately, a couple of things are going to happen. One, there's a good chance you're going to build resentment. That's something that was important to you at some point. And the other thing is, you need to be the, the man that God created you to be. And whatever that is, that is holy and good. Just remember that if what you need to do to be the man that God created you to be is wrecking your marriage, look at that very carefully because that's probably selfishness over godliness in that moment. Make sure you are actually looking at, is this something that is going to make me the man God created me? Or is this something that I just want to do that's fun? Uh, because there have been times when I've chosen not to ride the motorcycle because I needed to do something for my family. You know, we've got to make sure that at the end, the priority is growing in holiness, growing in Christ-likeness. And the things that help us do that are what we need to focus on. And the things that don't are the things that our marriage helps us remove from our lives. Very good. Selfishness over godliness. I like that. Yeah, I think being aware of being aware of what you're putting ahead, you know, of your marriage and what you're putting ahead of your family and what you think might be very important, but you got to be aware of. You have to be aware of that, and that takes a lot of self-reflection, though, too. Right? It takes a lot of time to say, like, okay, am I being selfish or am I not? You know. But I think that it, in, at the end of the day, we know. You know, that's good. And it's incredibly hard. And I think that's the glory of when you have two people. Unfortunately, many people, when they get married, they fall into this point system because that's what we see all around us. And we look at this 
marriage is to make me happy. And so what am I going to get out of this? What's the return on investment? Well, first of all, let me tell you guys, your marriage is not to make you happy. Your marriage is to make you holy. The purpose, the whole purpose of humanity is to become, to love God and be more like him and share him with the world. And that's what your marriage is there to do. And when you have two people who realize that and focus on that, and then are focusing on serving each other in love, you shouldn't have to pull the things you need out of your spouse. And she should not have to pull them out of you, but rather together, you guys should be focusing on what can I do to love my, my wife more? Because the more you do that, the more she's capable of loving you and the more holy together you will be. And you'll build that relationship and you'll be the individuals and the couple that God has created you to be. So good. Man, you're giving me some great stuff here. I love it. My, my wife and I, we, we talk about marriage all the time because obviously as a pastor, I do a lot of premarital counseling stuff and, and sometimes marriage right. counseling too. And so, um, you know, it's kind of fun to have stuff that we, you're saying, stuff that we live by. You know, the, my, one of the things that we learned when we first got married, we had somebody share with us, like your, your goal every day should be to outlove each other, right? And so it was like, okay, we're, com- we're competitive in nature. So it's like, all right, so what am I going to do about <laughs> loving you? you know, like, and so yeah, we started, we started figuring out ways to do it. So it's, I mean, yeah. And marriage is not to make you happy, but to make you holy. I love that. That's a, you know, we are, we are, we're supposed to be serving each other to the point of where, you know, I love that not drawing stuff out in. I wish I, yeah, this is, this is really good. I'm loving what we're, what we're talking about right now. Um, that would be something, man. I'm sorry. I'm gonna be, I'm like reflecting in my head and I'm saying stuff out loud in the process. So, but um, now for so for for I guess for the sake of, um because when we think about our marriages as dads and we think about um engaging in a healthy marriage and keeping it keeping it healthy, um, what would you say like for you know I, I know you said that keeping your marriage a priority you know make that your priority that married relationship your priority over everything else um but what would you say are like maybe some i guess three things that you would say to dads like okay look you need to here's some here's some tips for you to be making sure that you're keeping your marriage relationship healthy not just keeping a priority but making sure that you're keeping it healthy what are three things for dads to think about or to work reflect on going forward in their marriages? So the first thing I'm going to talk about here is what we call unexpectations. And unexpectations, we talk about expectations that are unmet, unshared, or unvoiced. And unmet expectations is pretty obvious. Like, okay, I expected something to happen and it didn't. An unshared expectation is an expectation that you have that you think is just normal. Everyone expects this. It's just the way you grew up, that's how we always did things. Um, The reality is your wife didn't grow up in your house. She has expectations that are, she's unaware of. It's just, that's just normal for her. Well, your expectations are normal for you, but may not be normal for her. And if you come across an expectation that's unshared, then it's not going to be met. And then expectations that are unvoiced, it's just, I didn't say, hey, I, I need this. The reason I highlight this is because every argument Every fight you ever have will be because of an unexpectation. When you look at every argument you've ever had with your spouse, when you look down at it, at the core of it, it was because an expectation you had wasn't met. Whether it was, 
what you're going to do when the kids did this wrong, what you're going to do when, I mean, I'm upset because dinner isn't what I wanted it to be, or there's not the money in the bank that I thought or spent in a way that all of those things, um, even when it comes to physical intimacy, sex isn't the way it was going to, what I thought it was going to be like. Everything comes down to an expectation. Now, expectations are not bad. Expectations are not wrong. And frankly, it's impossible to wipe the slate clean. You're not going to get rid of your expectations. What you need to do, however, is anytime an expectation goes unmet, look at it. Why was that expectation unmet? Did your wife know that that was an expectation? Did she understand what you wanted at that moment? Um, Look at, is that expectation really important? So my wife, Jen, didn't know that I squeezed the toothpaste from the bottom while she squeezes it from the middle until we wrote this book. So we've been married over 17 years. We've had the same toothpaste. And some people that it's a frustration in the morning. For me, it's an extra half a second of starting at the bottom and pushing all that toothpaste back to the front. That was an unmet expectation. That's not that important. It's okay. Now for some people, that's a big deal because of their nature, their orderliness and stuff. And so I'm not saying that everyone should view toothpaste the way I do. What I am saying is look at your expectation. Is it really that important? Is it something that needs to be addressed? If it is something that needs to be addressed, why? What is it in you that is causing this to be an important expectation? That never means the expectation shouldn't be there. But what is it? Is this a core fear that you're addressing? Is this something that you need to take to God before you take to your wife? Is this affecting you at a spiritual level? Um, An example that we put in the book is um, locking doors. When my wife was growing up, they locked the doors all the time. The doors were never unlocked. Um, Growing up, for me, when we were home during the day, the door was unlocked. And we locked it when we left the house and we locked it at night before we went to bed. Other than that, the door was unlocked. Um, My wife, oh my gosh, what happens if someone walks in the door? You tell them to get out of your house. They're in the wrong house. (laughs) For me, it was just, that's the way it was. Growing up on a military base, we lived in apartment buildings when we were in Germany in quarters. And there were a handful of times I walked into the wrong apartment. I was a kid outside playing. I was tired. I was running upstairs to go to the bathroom. And we lived on the fourth floor and there was no elevator. And so there's a couple of times when I opened the door on the third floor and it's like, whoops, this isn't my house. Turn around and leave. And because we all left our doors unlocked when we were there. But for Jen, when she talked about it, there was a core issue there of security where what was being communicated when I didn't lock the door was that I didn't care about her safety, that I didn't care about her security. Well, that is a core issue that, yeah, no, she needs to know that her husband cares about her safety and security. And so, heck, sweetheart, how many locks do you want on the door now? We'll we'll make it like one of those comedies in New York where you've got 20 locks on the door because that's important. So when your expectations are unmet, why was the expectation unmet? And then why is it important? And make sure you're addressing the root issue, not just the, oh, I'm unhappy because this expectation was meant. But this is what's going on. And let me tell you something, guys. Your wife loves you. If you tell her what the root issue there is and what that's doing to you deep inside, that level of vulnerability, she's going to do everything she can to meet that expectation. 
And that's the second thing, communication, vulnerability, being open. If you want to keep your marriage strong, it's you've got to be able to overcome that limiting factor of messaging. You've got to be able to communicate. And every book on marriage that you'll ever read is going to talk about that because it's that important. And it's not about, I was in a men's Bible study one time and my dad and I were there together. And the leader of the Bible study sits down and says, all right, men, we need to to be more like women and listen more. Like, what are you talking about? No, we don't need to be more like women. God made us men, but we need to be men that know how to listen and communicate. A sign of strength, and let me tell you, being around the military, sign of strength is not not being weak. It's knowing where your weaknesses are. And when it comes to when we're in the thick of it, it's we rely on each other because we're vulnerable with each other. They know those men that you are there with, they know, hey, I'm here for you. And I know they know that they're there for each other. You need to have that same with your wife. You need to be able to communicate, hey, this is what's going on with me. Um, you need to tell her, hey, this is how I feel. And then you need to be able to listen. And it's not just, okay, I heard the words, but you need to listen and hear the meaning. So when I'm watching hockey, I can't listen well. When you're watching the ball game, you can't listen well. You need to prioritize that conversation and listen. That means sometimes like with the children, hey, you know, son, daughter, princess, buddy, you need to give mom and dad a moment. We need to talk. We need to have this conversation. And I need to be able to hear what mommy's saying. And your kids need to know that what mommy says is is the most important thing at that moment. I mean, barring obviously death or injury here, right? Um, <laughs> mommy, mommy is important and I need to hear that. And so the three things I would say is, first of all, knowing your expectations, being knowing what expectations are important and are not, and addressing the ones that are unmet. Communicating at the depth of yourself, not just on the surface, but communicating those deep things in your soul. Um, and then also listening for the meaning, not just, okay, I heard the words, oh, she wants me to lock the doors. No, she wants me to lock the doors because she feels like I don't care about her safety. Um, those are the three things that are really, and then those other things that, um, other things around the marriage, when you are able to address those things, the rest of the things fall in place. Um, so one of the things, one of your questions was about keeping the spark in marriage. Yeah. Um, in our research for this book, one of the things we learned is when it comes to physical intimacy, when marriages are in trouble, physical intimacy becomes more important. It's like, oh my gosh, we're fighting and then um, sex isn't happening um, and physical intimacy isn't happening. Um, but when the marriage is strong, that becomes less important. Not that it happens less. It becomes less important. How much, how often isn't as important when everything else is happening in a positive way in your marriage. And so if you want to have the intimacy that you're looking for, 
then working those other issues and that cliche, it starts in the kitchen is so true. You know, wash the dishes, take care of her needs. And then that intimacy becomes natural and a communication of our love for each other. That's ultimately what it is. It's a, it's communication. We're communicating. We, we adore each other. We love each other. Um, we're important to each other. And when everything else is working, then that is a natural part of your relationship. It's really good. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's so true. I mean, you know, the, the, I guess when we take the time to pour into our relationships and we take the time to actually listen to our spouse and we take the time to actually engage with what's, what they're speaking about and we actually active listening, right? Where we're tr- trying to even repeating what they're saying if we, if we want to make sure that we're hearing it correctly. You know, um, I love, you know, and then like you're right, if you want to have an intimate relationship, then you need to start doing more stuff that, that develops that, that desire. Um, I think I've noticed a lot lately in some of the dad groups that I'm a part of, because um, of course, Facebook, I'm a part of several different dad groups. Um, but, and then we have, of course, our being a dad on purpose group, but the, just a little plug there for those who are listening. But um, the, the fact of the matter is like we have, I see a lot of dads talk about, hey, you know, what's your sex life like? You know, like, you know, because it's like, they're asking that question of how often do you have it? What's going on? And some dads say like, it's, it, you know, actually, I think I've seen one dad say, something very similar is that if you're doing uh, good things, then this really doesn't become a priority anymore. You know, it's not, I mean, it's not like it's a, or it, it's a priority, but it's not like an overwhelming, like, oh man, we're not having sex. Our marriage is falling apart. It's like, no, because everything else is going great. The sex thing is just not as, it's just, it, it doesn't, you know, it's, it's not as a, uh, how'd you say it? It's still important, still happening, but just not as, high level i guess in the sense of like this has to be happening otherwise we're not having a good marriage that makes sense and unfortunately for a lot of guys that's the first thing we notice when something's not going well in the relationship the problem is it's the it's way down the chain there's other things that aren't going well that we're not noticing and then we notice that we notice that okay she's She's wanting to go to sleep instead of just go to bed. And it what's going on here? And I'm I'm unhappy and I'm frustrated. And we haven't picked up on the clues of, hey, there's all these other things going on that aren't being met. Um, but when all those things are being met, um, like the guy in the dad's group was saying, it it it's happening more, probably, because all these other things are in place where it's the relationship is thriving. And that's an element of a thriving marriage. That's a very, very good thing about marriage. Well, Brian, I appreciate your time. And I'm, again, I'm looking forward to, to, you know, seeing, hearing, you know, hopefully a lot of other dads that are going to be listening to this and um, I'll be you know, promoting your book because um, from what I read of it so far, uh, because I just was able to access it yesterday, which, uh, you know, but the stuff that I've been able to read of it so far is so like there's a there's a lot in there that is great wisdom from both you and Jennifer. So I thank you guys for writing the book. Um, I thank you for uh, just sharing your hearts in there, and then again just giving some great great advice and um, great wisdom into how you to help your marriage stay stay healthy and thriving and surviving. Um, so it was good. 
good, good. It's a great book. It's a good resource. So, um, if if people want to find you on social media anywhere like that, like where, where could they where could they find you? So the first place would the easiest place would be go to my website brianharvey.com. My first name is spelled B R Y O N, then H A R V E Y dot com, and you can find me on on Facebook Brian Harvey. Um, you can look me up there. There aren't as many of us as some of the other names, but that would be a good way as well. Um, but those are the two easiest ways to look me up. Um, and yeah, I look forward to anyone who has any questions or wants to connect. I love talking about this stuff. I love families and love seeing um, families and marriages thrive. Um, and I look forward to connecting with the, the guys out there um, being a dad on purpose. Awesome. And um, again, your, your book, can be found at your website, but can it be found on, I mean, is it on Amazon and um, anywhere else? Anywhere or, books are sold. Where, where I mean, it's, it? yeah, awesome. it's on Amazon, your local bookstore on their website. Um, you can go there. Amazon's probably the easiest, or you can just go right to um, brianharvey.com and you can get the book there as well. It's published through Westbo. So you can go to their, web, their website and find it as well. Awesome. We'll have all these links in our uh, show notes so, so people can access you. But uh, again, Brian, I really appreciate having you on and I hope to have you on again to talk some more about this because I think this is great information for for dads married and even those dads who are planning on becoming married um, because, you know, it's good to have a, a good head start. <laughs> so, Absolutely. Um, so anything we can do to help out with that, that's great. So again, Brian, thank you so much for taking some time to be on the show. I appreciate it. Hey, thanks for having me. Look forward to coming back anytime you want. Awesome. Well, again, hey, you're listening to the Being a Dad on Purpose podcast and um, I appreciate Brian joining us. and. You know, hey, if you like what you hear, please share, comment, whatever you got to do to make sure that this podcast is, is heard by other dads. But again, we are here not to be the best dads in the world. We're just here to be the best dads for our kids right now. And if we are married, the way to be a best dad for our kids right now is to really support and encourage and uh, provide a healthy uh, example of what a marriage could be. So again, thank you for joining the podcast. We'll talk to you later. Bye. Thank you.